Greetings and happy Monday, Offbeat Tracks listeners. Yeah, I hope you're having the best Monday. My name's Max. Hello. I'm Danielle. We're with episode 34 today of our little show, uh, talking about uh, the Canadian pop princess. I started to say that and I stopped myself. It doesn't quite. She's... I mean, okay. She's a really cool Canadian and her name is Jane Child. How's that? Yes, she has hair. She has hair. Yes. (laughs) And... An incredible, uh, an incredible talent for programming synthesizers and drum machines. Yes. Uh, Jane was born in Toronto in 1967. Um, her website is fabulous. Uh, she has a very Web 1.0 website. I don't know if you stumbled across Jane's I website. I actually. I saw it and then I got distracted with work stuff last night when I was going um, to go to it. And I've spent a lot of time on Jane's website over the years. There's just a lot to read there. She has a lot of like old press, like... Um, about her and things like that she can read. So there's just like a, this wealth of stuff to go look through. And uh, she has... It's a, like an old person scrapbook of yeah, everything right, their right. grandchild does, but it's like But it's her. her. Right. Okay. I, get, uh, I dig it. She also has like all of her music videos, but they're all in terrible quality and streaming via real player. Yes. <laughs> so let's say it's like, we don't it's have not enough. even web 1.0. It's like web 0. 0.5. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when I think back to like 2002, I'm like, man, we don't have enough real player in 2017. That's what the world needs. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, so she had this interview in particular on this site that I love called, um, or it's in, in, in a magazine rather, called Keyboard Magazine, which I did not know was a thing. But she did an interview may not be. in 1990 with Keyboard Magazine. <laughs> okay. No, apparently Keyboard Magazine was around until like 2007. Who knew? Wow. Uh, so yeah, Jane has this whole article that she did. It was an interview with Keyboard Magazine in 1990. And uh, they mentioned that she, when she moved to L.A., she bought a home that was owned by uh, a, a musician that I'd never heard of named Vida Bickford, <laughs> uh, who was, quote, known in her day as one of L.A.'s top guitarists and uh, instrumentalists. So I thought that Do was just... Do you know just, what she like played on? No she idea. Just like a studio session? No idea. Um, but mm. I love this because that seems like somebody who would have been a very kindred spirit to Jane. So yes. it's kind of cool that they ended yeah. up... Uh, in the same uh, place. Jane is a classically trained pianist, by the way, we should say that. She's an incredible uh, keys player. Just anything with keys, she can rock the hell out of. Very into it. Um, Came from a very musical family. Dad was a violinist and composer. Mom was a vocalist and a pianist. And she sang in the Canadian Children's Opera Company, which is just adorable. Yep. Um, And she got signed to Warner Brother Records and uh, dropped this debut album. Some sources say 1989 is when this came out. I have always associated this album with 1990 because I see Jane Child as like... it sounds exactly like 1990. Yes, exactly. It it sounds like 1990. I see Jane Child as like the gatekeeper of the 90s. Jane Child was the person who like kicked the door open from the 80s into the 90s. Yes. She's the perfect crossover of those, what was going on at that time. Oh, yeah. Um, I love this description. It's from that same keyboard magazine okay. interview. The okay. same des- this description of Jane's debut album. The interviewer says that uh, the album proved that quote street energy and high tech gadgetry aren't necessarily incompatible. Yeah, which okay. is a very good way to put it because that's what Jane. I kind of was about you know. I kind of describe it like I was trying to come up with the perfect way to describe like at least the Jane Child of the first album and a little bit of the second album. But it's like to me, I would call it thrash pop. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Because it's like it's not like the metal thing, but it sounds like everything, 
every instrument, including the keys, is just like pressed as hard as possible and everything. And it's being recorded in a metal room. Yes. Yeah. And it it's just it's very um, it's industrial without exactly without being uh, necessarily dark because I, I associate industrial music, you know, exactly. nine, nine inch nails or any of the kind of the gothy stuff in the 80s. But like, yes, Jane's not really gothy. I mean, despite, I guess she kind of has a, a punky appearance a little bit, but like her yeah. music, is, I don't think her music is gothy or dark in any way, but yet it is, it does have that industrial maybe tinge like, to it. It does. It sounds it's like a garage pop. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like it was recorded in a big factory. Like yeah. you just envision like a lot of machines turning everywhere. Yeah, it's like the same production, while you're listening to it. like the same production of garage rock is kind of what's going on with her. I think that kind of like yeah, but, echoey. Right. It's just, a, it's a big wall of sound, like to use. Yes. the Phil Spector term it's yes. a, it is a big wall of sound it's just a, there's a lot happening and it's very but it's all very meticulously placed oh yeah and it's all that's very, what's so interesting about this record well most of it is very accessible and it's radio accessible yes, thank which you. works I was I'll have more on that later but yeah, we'll yes thank you thank you for saying that yes um, Jane it, it is worth noting Jane wrote and produced and like programmed this entire album by herself yeah at age 23 yeah which is a huge feat. I read that people were calling her the female prince and she was kind of like that. I mean, it's it was pretty unheard of, too, for mm-hmm. a debut album. On a giant label. Yeah. Warner Brothers yeah. basically said, here's your playground. Have fun with all these machines. And she talks about that a lot in, in a lot of those interviews, too, about not being intimidated, how she thinks that a lot of people were kind of intimidated by technology. Because you got to remember, Jane... Yeah. It's weird to say this because like the album came out in 1990, but Jane also, she came of age and grew up essentially in the 80s. Yes. So the kind of music that she was probably listening to was the the synthy stuff and that was where she started drawing inspiration i i would assume i did not um see, see her name any artist specifically but you would have to assume that because well, of the like album she around. came up with whether yeah. or not she liked it she's hearing it everywhere i'm sure right and so she kind of took this and ran with it and just got she really got wrist deep in learning these technologies and learning how to program drum machines and program synthesizers and yep. just became an absolute master of these machines and we we got this wonderful album out of it. So we're going to talk cool. about some of the some of the singles and some of the album cuts on this uh, debut album again, which came out in 1989 in some places and 1990 in some other places. Uh, but yep. it's, it's self-titled. It's called Jane Child. Um, her first single was Welcome to the Real World. It's a great opener to an album. It really is. And good advice. It's a good opener to Jane also because That's true. Jane's music, kind of like Scritti Politti, what we talked about a few episodes ago, is very. Um, she can be very politically charged at times. Yes. Um, or just emotionally heavy at times. You know, she doesn't, her lyrics are not typical pop fare, I would say. No. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> um, there are two different videos for this also worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, they shot one and uh, the record label wasn't happy with it and didn't think it showcased her enough. So they shot a second one. I've seen both versions of the video. I'm not sure which is the first and which is the second. Uh, one version, which is very easy to find, is Jane, like, there are a lot of, like, world leader slash dictator looking people running around, and they're all kind of watching her in, like, a peep show kind of setting. That's the easy version uh, to find. The harder version to find is a bit more reserved. It's her in a loft, and, like, there are these shots of her sitting on a couch, and then there are a lot of shots of her playing on her Fairlight uh, synthesizer. Uh-huh. Um, which that's my preferred version of the video. Uh, you can stream that on her website if you won't feel like installing Real Player. <laughs> but she does have that version. That version's on her website. Oddly enough, the first time I saw it, um, for whatever reason, 
Um, remember Spike TV, you know, that like yes. hyper mask channel? <laughs> yep. They had that version of the video on their website for streaming. Like that was how I initially saw it back in like 2010. I have no idea. It's Why? it's not on their site anymore. But at the time, that is where I watched it and in excellent quality. But it's not there anymore. <laughs> so you I'm have... still laughing at if you want to install real player. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Actually, I think I did it with VLC media player, but we won't even go there. There are a few programs you can do to translate. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on in this song. Um, it, you, there's it's a lot going on in all of her songs, especially on this. Yeah, um, but they're like there are politics. There's yeah, but then there are like the nursery rhymes because, like you it's said, it's raining, I mean, it's pouring. The old man is snoring. That's right. That's, but I mean, this this statement is like I I actually used to play this song. This was my tradition on graduation day when I worked at the college station. This <laughs> was to the real. This world. was my Good graduation one. song. I would always send this out to the people walking on graduation day because I think it's a perfect song for that. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the world can be a nasty place, but it can also be a very cool place. And I think this song touches on both of those things. That's a good way to put it. So if you've ever heard a Jane Child song, it is probably this second one that she dropped as the second single off of her uh, self-titled debut album. It's called Don't Want to Fall in Love. Um, This video got a lot of airplay back in the day. Oh, yeah. A lot of radio play. Yes. um, And actually here in Louisville, there used to be a woman um, on one of the midday. uh, She was on midday on one of the AM talk stations around here. Her name was Jane Norris. She's still on the radio somewhere uh, now, but her her theme music all through, like, until she was off the air in the late 90s was Jane Child's Don't Want to Fall in Love. You know what? I do remember that. (laughs) I remember that a lot. (laughs) Wow. I forgot all about that. And I, you know, I never listened to Jane Norris, but I listened to Jane Child. Well, I grew up with a a dad who listens to AM radio all the time and hates it. So that's how I know every theme song. Well, I had... I had Don't Want to Fall in Love on a mix CD, and I was driving around with my dad, and he let me play my mix CD, and this came up, and he goes, this is Jane Norris's theme music, and I went, <laughs> really? Sure enough, I listened the next day, and there it was. Oh, good lord. Uh, yeah, so this song rules. Uh, yes. Like, what What else can um, you say about this song? It it rules. Even if you <laughs> so haven't hard. heard this song, and you aren't a fervent listener to Jane Norris and her lovely show, I'm sure, um, you recognize that synth line. Yes, um, so epic. It's so epic. And this is one of the only songs I can point out that has a really notable uh, keyboard or synthesizer solo. Oh, my God. That's yeah. a very rare thing. And this song has a great one. Yep. Um, the only other song like I can ever think of when, when I think of like keyboard solos, I always go to uh, what's the runaway that song from the 60s. Oh, wow. Uh, Del Shannon. Is that who does that? That song has a has a keyboard or slash Van Halen's solo. Jump does too. It's oh like yeah, that guitar. yes, that's it a does. Classic one. Yes, that's it's actually a good one. quite like the Jane one. Child. Oh one, man, actually. maybe that could be. This could be a good superlative show in the future. Ooh, synth, 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 synth solos. solos. <laughs> yeah, we have to always whenever we think of them. Yes, yeah. mental note. Um, yeah, no, I. It's got a strong vocal too, which I love. Oh yeah, such a strong vocal. Her voice is she. I don't know. Her voice is kind of hard to describe because. I kind of want husky is like a, f- a good first word that comes to mind, but it's just it, there's so much power in Jane's voice. Yes, 
and, and it, it's, it's but it's still this, good and poppy and like yeah. sweet enough. It's not too yes, harsh. It's very that's sweet. hard. Yeah. And she's she's kind of got this um, artsy, gritty quality to her voice, yes. also. Yes. Um, my one complaint, um, video wise, on the <laughs> song. Fall in love. I mean, like it's a whatever video where she's going through New York and like you know hanging out with some people on the street because her hands are cold in the fire. Yes. Um, my problem is she's not great at lip syncing. Really? I don't, I don't never notice that. (laughs) Like to me, like this is like a song, like anytime I sing, I've done this in karaoke before. Like you got to like sing the hell out of it. Right. So it's like, yeah, like your mouth should be really wide. It's looks like she's whispering the song when she's lip syncing. She's like, if she she was actually singing, it would be like that. But you're right. It's she's that way in um, Welcome to the Real World also. But yeah. I think that's just kind of her nature, though. But yeah, you're right; it, it's fine. an interesting contrast to the production value <laughs> yeah, on her just music. Like everything, I like, never thought about that. That like kind of industrial-looking, like camera filter kind of a thing. That yes. whole and like you see her just thrashing on the keyboards and all of this mm-hmm. stuff, and then she's just like, "Don't wanna fall in." <laughs> it just doesn't. I believe she noted, by the way, that she didn't actually record like the keyboard solo. Like I don't think she actually recorded that on the Fairlight CMI, which is what she plays it on in the video. Oh yeah. But I think she. Um, she was obviously a big fan of Fairlight synthesizers. She and Herbie Hancock are like the two that I always go to for people who I know who who were really uh, known for operating the Fairlight. They're they're pretty complex instruments. Yeah. Um. And but Fairlight really liked Jane, um. And so I think <laughs> she just kind of wanted to show off her really cool Fairlight CMI three that she had. And Why so not? even if she wasn't, those weren't the sounds we were hearing coming out of that when she plays that solo. But that's she's playing it in the video. Yeah. What a song. There were also some excellent remixes of Don't Want to Fall in Love. Oh, yes. Uh, including one very famous one that shot it up the R&B charts thanks to Teddy Riley doing this um, oh, man. this uh, really excellent New Jack Swing remix of the song. And I found this clip of him on somebody's podcast talking about doing this remix and what a big deal he it was for him to do it. want to come on our podcast. Maybe. Um, I'm going to play this clip. Uh, the first voice you'll hear is Teddy Riley. The second one, the guy, the gentleman with the, kind of the southern accent is the host of this podcast. So he's the other voice you'll hear, but this is Teddy Ryler talking first about Jane, remixing Jane Child's Don't Want to Fall in Love. And that's how I got Jane Child done. Don't Want to Fall in Love. Uh, right. Man, right. you know, I Don't Want to Fall in Love is one of those songs and productions and mixes that just changed everything I was doing. I just kind of had to, had to, you've done this to me several times, but I just had to kind of start over when I heard that, that song. That was an incredible, incredible production. You know, that, that was the song. That was the song that saved my life in the music industry because I was about to give up and do what I do. You know, building computers, and I've been doing that for a long time. So there you go. Teddy Riley builds computers. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> that's the news. And you hear the host. Uh, that, by the way, I want to credit that show. That was from a show called Pensado's Place. And uh, Pensado, I guess, is the guy who hosts that. Um, But that was Teddy Riley on his show um, talking about, and you heard him say that, that Don't Want to Fall in Love saved his life. Yeah, I mean, at that time, he was kind of coming out of um, Rex and Effects, and he's like, he's a producer, but he didn't have anything 
that was like really hitting, I think. Like he, that was really kind of a transition period for mm-hmm. him. I never really thought about that. So there you go. Yeah. And yeah. we'll play, let's play a clip here of Teddy Riley's remix of Don't Want to Fall in Love. So those were the two singles from Jane's uh, debut album, but we want to talk about a few more of the album cuts here. The first one I wanted to bring up was I Got News For You, uh, notable for being the only pop song I've ever heard to use the lyric ostentatious. (laughs) That's what happens when she's not impressed with your seduction. That's right. What do you want? (laughs) She is not impressed with your seduction. She's got news for you. Yeah, I mean, it's another loud beat, sassy song. Totally works, a la the first two. It's great. We have this kind of uh, slowed down, I guess, uh, track. Dark. Shoot. Yeah, it's a, it, this is about as dark as Jane gets on the record. Yeah. This song called Hey Mr. Jones. Because um, there, I mean, I guess there are a couple of slow songs on the album. Yeah. But um, this one is notable because for being very dark. She even, like, there are a few uh, bars that she kind of just screams mm-hmm. at one point in the second verse. Um, what the... Uh, what what's your interpretation of what the hell's going on with these lyrics? What do what do you think she's talking about? I mean, I have never heard this song until I show prepped. Um, I don't know. She's just mad, and I'm thinking there's like some sort of I don't know. To me, it just it seems like a weird kind of like stalky, like yeah. potentially creepy, just fucking song. I think that I feel like I feel like she's like imprisoned in some sort of way, and she's trying to get out. Is how it. Yeah, I mean, appears to me. I think that on the surface, it, it definitely could be about like being trapped in a relationship. Yeah, or like trapped. Not necessarily, not necessarily like in an abusive relationship either. Just like yeah. somebody who you're not getting along with, but you feel like you can't get away from them. So yeah, that's one interpretation. The other thing, and I could be totally off the rails with this. Um, I took this as perhaps Mr. Jones as a personification of some kind of an addiction problem. Like maybe Ooh. like a drug addiction or even an eating. That was big in like the late 80s. Even an eating disorder. And I, I may be getting that from the, she has the lyric where she mm-hmm. says, just look at me, I'm skin and bones. I sold my soul to Mr. Jones. That's kind of, she repeats that mm. line several times toward the end. And I, I don't know, it's it's almost like she could be singing to a personified addiction. It's very possible. I mean, that was like a big rise of heroin. Guns N' Roses did another song where it's like, they, it's like, uh, is it like Mr. Brownstone or something. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's, it could definitely be. That was a thing. I don't know. Just interesting, uh, open to interpretation, but um, a very dark, a very dark, emotionally heavy, but still great song.
I mentioned earlier that Jane um, did all of the synth programming, drum programming, all that herself. And um, she did a lot of the sampling also. And uh, she noted on this song, Biology, that um, she would like just pick things up around her house and create samples out of them. Like she said, she had a bowl in her kitchen that made a really good sound. And she noted that there was a kick sound on biology that she didn't think she would ever be able to reproduce. <laughs> so it's a unique uh, kick drum sound that you hear on, on this great yeah. track, Biology, which um, this is, I think, my favorite vocal performance of hers on the album, too. It is really good. You know, it's a nice little animal instinct song. I yeah. don't know if I love it. It's like, oh, yeah, biology. <laughs> I don't know. It's like too much. Like, I don't like that kind of lyricism. There's just like, I don't know. Oh, I'm I'm so like I'm gonna talk song. obviously about something and then be like biology, <laughs> you know? Like it just doesn't. I I would to, I totally enjoy it, yes, but like I just can't take it very seriously. If that makes any sense? I'm here for it through and through. Yeah, I'm fine. So Jane has this track called DS21 on this record. Um, do you do you know what a DS21 is? Um, I don't know. I'm assuming it's some sort of computery thing. Okay. Or some robots. So <laughs> it's got to be something. So here's the thing. The first time I heard this record, um, I did not like look at the track listing. I think I just played it all the way yeah. through. I think I had the tape or something, and I didn't like look at the names of the songs closely enough. Is it something dirty? So oh, this comes on, dirty. and I'm, I'm like. D- I heard DX21 and I thought, oh, she wrote a song about a Yamaha DX21, which is a, which is <laughs> okay. a synthesizer that was out at, around this time. And I thought, oh, that's cool. And I always just assumed this song was about a synthesizer uh, and then paid attention to the fact that it was a DS21, not a DX21. And there's, a vibrator. there's no such thing. Uh, no, if you look on the rear of the CD uh, or the LP, um, there are these little symbols Next to, like, under each of the songs, like, between in the track listing, there are these little symbols. And the one under DS21 is this double chevron thing. So that was the clue to what this song is about. Gasoline? Um, (laughs) No. Uh, Jane has, uh, in one of the many press articles on her her site, she has a letter uh, from... The editor, I think it was the editor of uh, a magazine called Citroen Quarterly. Are you familiar with Citroen? It's a, Citroen, it's a, like it's a car. car. Yes, it's yeah. a car brand. Uh, because that logo is the Citroen car logo. Ooh. So Jane was singing about her favorite car, which was a 1972 Citroen DS21. Wow. So that's what the song is about. It's just about her car and how much and she loves it. And they would have those in Canada because they have a lot of the French cars. Indeed. So there you go. Okay. All right. <laughs> I thought it was going to be something really dirty at first. I was like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, she actually has a, a, a um, section on her website also that's just called answers. It's not called Q&A. <laughs> it's just a list of answers to questions she gets asked like without the question next to them. That's the best thing I've ever yes. seen. And one, one of them just like it's, it's, it's the a car. List. Well, here, look, I'll, I'll go to the answers page right now and just read out some of them. It, this is exactly what it says on this page. Toronto, Canada. Basically, raw fruit and vegetables. <laughs> Two brothers. Anything with keys or strings. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is. 
Usually the music first. No. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, a 1972 Citroen DS21. <laughs> so there you go. She knows she gets asked that a lot, I guess. Actually, her website is the best ever. That's yes. fantastic. Her website is incredible. It's, it's janechild.com, by the way, in case I didn't say that earlier. It's you hilarious. You gotta go look at Jane's website. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. No. Um, <clears throat> she also noted, by the way, remember I was talking about the samples earlier? Apparently on this one, uh, you can hear a toy that she bought at a Christmas novelty store that was called Alien. Somewhere in DS21, there's uh, that is a sample that she used. Oh, so man. listen closely for Alien when we play this clip. It's all you've ever wanted. Power I cannot explain. I get so excited. Love that I cannot unchain. When we make contact, you start to rise. You'll be the only one. My DS21. Pushing the maximum. Me and my, my DS21. Just one more we wanted to touch on from Jane's debut album. Yeah. It's called World Lullaby. Yep. Um, yeah, well, this is the one she like re-released it or like remixed it for like 9-11. Yes, she, she re-recorded and re-released this song for charity uh, after 9-11 happened. Yes, which, which was is cool. 12 years after this came out. Like, this is an interesting, this is an interesting little uh, song because I feel like it's a very pretty in a way. If it were just produced differently, it would be like a really pretty just like pop ballad. Yeah. But it's like not produced. It's Jane Child produced right. way. So it like this is has like the Jane Child bit, version of a ballad. Yeah, yeah, but like if you ever if you had a different artist and a different production team do this, it would just be like a regular little pretty little ballad. It's very weird song. It's it's a very weird cut on this album. Yes, compared to the rest of the album. Anyway. Yeah, it is. Um, there's also this sound, this ticking sound that goes literally through the entire song. Yes, front to back, it never lets up. Um, I think one way to look at that is that it was a clock, you know, like time is ticking. Um, But do you think possibly also that she was alluding to the idea of a bomb? Because I, that's kind of the more the impression that I get with it is that it's like a, like the, the earth is a time bomb. Wow. I know. Heavy shit. Finding all of the dark elements. Heavy shit, right? I'm just like, it's a pretty song, Max. (laughs) And you're like, well, the world is going to blow up basically. And Jane knows. Wow. So we had to wait uh, three years till we get Jane's sophomore album, Here, Not There. I believe, I don't think Jane ever toured the first record. I think that she kind of had intention to tour this record uh, because she sort of said, you know, I, I want to do live shows, but I want to play it live. And so much of my stuff is sequenced. Uh, yeah. And she's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get up there and play it to a track. 
Um, I want to, I want to have a band and play live. Um, and so I think that the intention was to tour this album, but I don't think that she ever did because the album was not, uh, the album was not the great success that I think she was hoping it would be. No, it wasn't. Um, I don't think she had any billboard charts, uh, off of this whatsoever. No. Um, I don't even know how the album itself charted, honestly. Um, I don't think it charted very well at all um, from what I read. It's pretty markedly different in style from the first record. I actually read a, uh, something that one of her fans had written about like the second album and why it failed. And they basically thought that Warner Brothers set her up to fail in a lot of ways. Because like, you know, you had the first you had the first single, which got like a tiny bit of airplay, but wasn't big. The second single, which was like not her at all. And that that was what they insisted on releasing instead of the third single, which probably was more yes. of her thing. So and they we'll think talk that about Warner that, yeah. Brothers, because yeah. I, I agree, the third single, which is the third song we're going to talk about here in a minute, should yeah. have been the debut single. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, but you, the first one you mentioned, Mona Lisa smiles. Yes. Um, this, <laughs> this is like. Uh, if you've ever been to like a roller derby, <laughs> like this is the kind of music you hear at a roller derby. This is what I wrote about it. Um, it's like every other song from 1993 that I never want to hear again. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean. And I, to me, it's forgettable. It's fine. Yeah, but it's like, fine. It's, it's fine. that forgettable. But it does, it does sort of, of feel like not like Jane. And I'm, I, no. I, you know, that could be cynical of me to say that because this could have just been the artistic direction she wanted to go. It's possible. But I just feel like at that point... When yeah. you're on a big label, the music the music industry had changed so much from 1990 to 1993 that probably they thought, you know, that normal whatever was big for Jane Child in 1990 <laughs> was not going to be big in 1993. So they probably took her in a slightly different direction. Maybe they just saw that uh, Janet Jackson had had a big hit. But Janet Jackson, who had been like the queen of dance pop, then she dropped Black Cat, and which was just Black, Black Cat, Cat is it's just a straight yeah. up rock song. I mean, there there's no electronic element to Black Cat. And the same kind of thing going on here. And maybe they just thought yeah. Jane could do what what Janet did, and it just it just didn't work. Um, it's like it's not a bad song by any means, no. but it's just not it's not memorable. Yeah. So Danielle mentioned this one um, a moment ago when she kind of gave that nice recap at the top. Uh, yeah. Here, not there is the second single, and um, this does feel a like a bit more of a natural progression of her sound. It does feel more like a Jane Child song. Um, it's, it's it's another Jane Child does a ballad in a very Jane Childy kind of way. I just don't think this is ever going to hit when you need a hit. Yes, to establish you on your second album. This to me is not it. No, it's very subdued. Um, it's it's, it's yeah. not in your face, which is you know when I think Jane Child, I think loud and proud and in exactly. your face and in charge. And the song is not that. Um, it's a very very pretty song. Uh, it's very pretty, well sung. Yeah, well sung, well produced. It's just not um, not hit material. I agree exactly. To be here and not there, watching burning wood, floating through the air, I don't have a care to pass through, it can't be. 
So this third single that she ends up releasing from Here Not There, which was Here Not There, by the way, was the title of the of the 1993 album. I don't think we ever said that. Uh, oh, yeah. But this this third single is called Do What You Do. This should this have, to me yes, is this should the have been the hit. hit. Yes. But I think that Warner Brothers was just I think that radio as a, as a whole was probably flat out ignoring her by the time this dropped. Oh, yeah. Because the first two hadn't done very well. So this probably didn't get the airplay it deserved when I agree if this had come out first I think that she would have had another hit yeah, on her hands that's a lot of people blame yeah I, I love do what you do I think like it sounds a lot more like this the songs that she was exactly. successful with on the first record um without being a carbon copy of them I think we should say that it does sound like a progressed version of exactly. her sound yeah but I, 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 I think, think it's truer to when you think of who Jane Child is and as an yes. artist yeah I think if you would have presented this to radio as like the first or even second single really if you would have presented it as radio and be like, oh, Jane Child is back. And if someone's expecting to hear Jane Child but knew, that would have fit. Yes. Um, Jane did go on to release a third album in 2001. Uh, it is called Surge. Um, it's named after the soda. That was delicious at the time. <laughs> you just made that up. <laughs> it could have been. I really liked it. If I made an album in 2001, it may have been called Surge. Yes. Uh, so. we're, we're not going to get into Surge here on this show. Uh, but if you want to listen to it, uh, it is on Spotify. And I believe you can still buy it on, on janechild.com. But um, there is one more of her recent songs that we did want to talk about. Uh, that uh, she did a cover of the Tina Turner song, We Don't Need Another Hero. Beyond Thunderdome. That's right. It was for a Tina Turner tribute album that came out in 2004. And she just did the most Jane Childy version of this song you could possibly think of. And it is awesome. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. I did not expect to like it, but, but I did. She crushes this song and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really fantastic. I'm into it. So there you go. That's that's Jane Child. Um, just somebody who I, as a keyboard player and, you know, aspiring drum machine programmer and synth programmer, um, I really look up to her a lot. And I think that her her first album is such an achievement uh, yeah. in that field um, that if you if you're into programming synthesizers, programming drum machines, you just you cannot overlook that record. It's just it's so incredible what she did and what she was able to come up with entirely on her own. Yeah, uh, she's incredibly talented and it's still so fun like what 27 years later yeah to go back and listen to that album it's still so good yes and the so songs good. the songs sound as huge now as they did then it's yeah, just to it's me, a, like don't want to fall in love is always a production it's always a time. production it, if it's on you don't just dance you have to just like oh bah. yeah you just you feel her songs on the on that record you just feel them in your soul i agree oh my god yeah it's um, everything 
So yes, that's that's Jane. Uh, definitely check out her website, janechild.com. We've mentioned that a lot, but it's definitely worth real player at. enthusiast <laughs> yes. Jane Child. Install real player first, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then go to jadechild.com and check her stuff out. Um, oh, I want to note one more thing, too. This will be in the videos uh, for uh, this episode. But uh, the only live performance I've ever found of Jane uh, is her guesting uh, on the Wayne Brady show. Remember when that was a thing? Holy shit. Jane popped up on the Wayne Brady show because her husband, turns out, was in Wayne Brady's like house band. So he has Jane on the show and they perform huh. Don't Want to Fall in Love at the end of the show. She sings Don't Want to Fall in Love with Wayne Brady. And that's the only She sings Don't Want to Fall in Love with the man she's in love with. Well, Wayne Brady. Oh. Oh, I thought it was okay, yeah. <laughs> no, her husband's like in the background playing keyboards, yes. But no, Aww. she and Wayne Brady sing Don't Want to Fall in Love together and it's very cute. So we'll that's put that adorable. We'll put that in the videos for this episode. Aww. Thank you for listening to uh, to us here on Offbeat Tracks. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, another uh, offbeat something or other to talk yes, about. We don't know what it is yet. Oh, we do. It's Jesse Johnson, but that's that's cool. Wow! <laughs> don't look at it. like it's on our website. If they're listening to this, they already know Jesse Johnson's like, coming next week. Yeah, I like to. I want them to think it's spontaneous. Okay, well now they like Jesse Johnson. They're going to come back. Okay, cool. Jesse right, Johnson yes. is neat. So offbeatrackscast.com is our website. Yes, where you can see what we're going to do next. Um, and we are also on Twitter at Offbeat Tracks. Yeah, so tweet at us. And if you've never heard of Jane Child, we'd love to hear what you think of her. Oh, yeah. Until next week, I'm Max. I'm Danielle. See ya. See ya.